Alrighty, what's up everybody and welcome back to the Sex and Self podcast, a place where you can learn a little bit about sex and hopefully a lot about yourself. I'm your host Felicia and this week we're talking about power after sexual assault. So forewarning, if this is something that may be triggering to you or may cause some uncomfortable thoughts or feelings or um, elicit any sort of memories that have been kind of put In the back of your brain, this is not the episode for you, but circle back next week. We will be talking about something a little bit more lighthearted, but I'm very, very fortunate to have one of Sex and Self's team members, Katie, here to talk about power and autonomy after experiencing sexual assault. So Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Felicia. I'm so excited. And we're so excited to have you and... I'm really honored that you're here willing to kind of share your story and experience um, surrounding this topic because it's very common. And I really think that having these conversations is super important in unfortunately acknowledging the realities of sex and sex with different people and specifically sex with, you know, individuals who are really struggling with different issues and that kind of ends up getting taken out on their partner Um, So like, just to give the listeners a little bit more knowledge about you and what you do, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and uh, yeah, like let them know why you're here to talk about what we're going to talk about? Yeah, of course. Uh, So as Felicia said, my name is Katie. My pronouns are she, her. Um, And a bit about myself. That's always like the most stressful question in interviews. Um, (laughs) But I am a disabled bisexual woman who is in their third year at McGill University. I study history with minors in environment and indigenous studies. So that's been the main focus of my life at the moment. Um, But yeah, other than that, I mean, typical 20 year old like to listen to music, have fun, have sex, it's great. (laughs) I think everybody that's listening can uh, really attest to that. I feel like that's yeah. very, very, especially during this fucking pandemic that won't seem to end. Don't even talk about it. <laughs> but um, kind of getting into this episode, when we talk about sex here, I like to kind of talk to the guests a little bit about what their experience is like even before they were sexually active. So what kind of relationship they had with themselves, themselves, and even like the knowledge that they brought forward in their own uh, sexual relationships. So what was your relationship with sex before you were sexually active? Honestly, limited to none. <laughs> um, <laughs> like we had the like, like STI talks in school, uh, which were very like stigmatized. Um, and that's about as much as they got into sex. Um, and my parents, though wonderful, uh, they were both uh, fairly conservative. Um, so discussions about like sex and consent and your own bodies weren't very a topic of discussion. And um, like even things like dating were like, that's not bringing that around the house. So I really knew nothing <laughs> going into it. I knew the basics and the abstract. But that is about it. It's more common than not. Uh, I think if you like listen to everyone that's spoken on this podcast, the majority is very much like don't ask, don't tell. Uh, Which is very scary now as an adult thinking about it. And I'm sure with 
all of our lived experiences, we can see the damages that that kind of mentality has. Mm -hmm. So bringing that into kind of like your first relationship, whether it was intimate or uh, like monogamous or even just sexual, um, what was that first relationship like for you? Well, it was definitely toxic, uh, but definitely a part of that was having no like idea of like healthy like sexual relationship um I went in it taking my like outer ideals as like a people pleaser and having these ideas of like oh you need to do this to be a good ex to be a good girlfriend to be a good friend whatever so that's how I kind of went into the mindset of sex in a relationship and especially at the time where I had no idea what my own sexuality was like I was just ignoring it uh pretty much um like it, it definitely was focused on partner's pleasure and not mine. And, but also at the same time, I was too scared to like admit that like sex was pleasure focused. Like it still felt very shameful uh, because of like the school talks in school. So yeah, it was, it was not, not ideal <laughs> to say the least. I don't think anyone's first relationship is ideal. Uh, I think that's kind of like, the shame in learning through experience instead of learning through like education Mm -hmm. but where do you think this like people pleaser notion came from was that just kind of part of your identity or like it sounds a lot like kind of like early 2000s representations of uh heterosexual relationships where it's just like the girl is kind of just like laying there during sex like twiddling her thumbs and the guy is like finishing in a minute and a half and that's kind of the relationship you know like that's just like a great synopsis of the whole thing I mean I felt like it was uh it definitely came from like childhood I was the only uh girl in the family other than my mom uh so it was definitely like put on me to be like the more like empathetic like in touch with feelings and then that obviously transitioned to school uh like high achieving academics always making everyone around me feel happy so though it is unhealthy (laughs) definitely I definitely did uh, transfer that same mindset of being the perfect ex now that perfectionism and making sure everyone else was happy and if someone pushed my borders left them kind of so (sighs) it was not a good mindset to be in to start having sexual relations and yeah not the whole if I could go back and be like shake my younger self a little bit (laughs) be great but so how do you think that that type of behavior affected your first relationship in like the sexual context I mean like majorly like I would not initiate anything I mean like and a big part of it at the same time too was also like struggling with sexuality and it's a lot easier to pretend you're straight when you're with someone um so that was also part of it when I was sitting there like I don't want to kiss them I don't want to uh do xyz um it was easier to tell myself like oh but like you're straight you're a girlfriend do what you gotta do this is what people tell you to do so like if he makes a move go along with it um so yeah, that was pretty much the entire sexual relationship. It wasn't like me ever starting anything. Um, 
because definitely deep down I was not ready to um but yeah how old were you can I ask yeah I was uh like not very old but obviously but like I was 17 so like I definitely got into it later than a lot of people but yeah yeah so with this specific encounter and with this specific relationship where do you think because there sounds like it sounds like a lot of nuances in this whole people people pleaser ideal because you're like well did I consent was I coerced I'm not Mm -hmm. sure so where do you think the line was significantly crossed for you as a 17 year old to be like this is not okay yeah um so it was just one night um again like I had no idea that any of this was wrong I was going into this thinking that I was in a very healthy relationship I was like happy to some extent and whenever I was like wasn't I was telling friends stories I would just skip over parts you know just like I know deep down that that's not okay. And I don't want to say it out loud. So I just skipped. But it was this one night. um, We were both drinking. I was a little more intoxicated uh, than he was. And um, he wanted to uh, like have sex. And my whole thing was like, okay, you know what? I would prefer just like do it and not be into it than the fight that would come if I said no right now. So I was like, okay, fine. And again, I thought that was normal. We're still good at this point in my 17-year-old head. Um, but it was during it, I tried to uh, get off of him. And because I felt like I needed to throw up, I was very intoxicated. Um, and he kept my head down and he just kept forcing me to do it. And all he would say was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It'll be over soon. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And so it was the moment that he apologized. It's that I knew I wasn't like, like quote unquote crazy. Yeah. It took me a while to figure it out, but it was honestly the moment that he admitted it was the moment that I saw it and shoved it in the back of my mind again. Oh my God. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Hey, fucked up can happen, but you know what? We grow, we learn. And it's made me, you know, it's like really driven my, like, like I guess, uh, like passions for like sexual education and like talking about this stuff and kind of having more in-depth chats with friends being like, hey, you're skipping over something right now. There might be a reason for that. Yeah, I think that like, People don't understand how the nuances can build to something like this, which is like the whole like premise of all the work that we do collectively. You know, it's it's important for people, especially young people, specifically young female identifying people, because we have this notion of exactly what you're saying, like the perfectionism, the people pleaser. We have to be a good girl, like whatever fucking that means. And yeah, we're such a good girl that we just let people assault us to the point where like they're apologizing, which is very frustrating. Um, Again, I'm like super, super sorry that that happened to you. So 
like going back and recounting that and after that specific scenario or situation, I don't know why I'm calling it that after the assault. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the good girl in me trying to make this sound like light and oh, fruity yeah. when it's not. Uh, no, I mean, exactly <laughs> it's not right. at all. It's if you don't think fucking yeah, assault. If you don't think I'm throwing up like peace like, signs at therapy appointments, oh no! <laughs> like it's definitely still like that notion to be like it's fine. What are you talking? Everything was fine. I'm great. But no, there is some like harsh realities to it where it's like for a long time I really wasn't great. <laughs> like, and that's just what it is. But so, what was the like? Because I think it's also hard for people to realize that specifically with like domestic abuse and any sort of assault, specifically sexual assault, it's not as black and white for people um, to just like get up and leave. Um, So what was, what were the like the following steps for you as like such a young girl? Well, it's, uh, I don't want to say funny, uh, but kind of funny. Uh, So even after that entire like situation where it was so evident that it was sexual assault uh like there was no there's no nuances there it is very much like you're apologizing what you're doing while you're still doing it um but I shoved it to the back of my mind right um trauma response check out the deuces (laughs) so yeah I shoved it to the back of my mind and um we continued on we ended up uh not seeing each other again because like high school is ending and all that um like going off to different schools and all that jazz and we were friends for a while um until I was I talked to my friends in university and I was telling them some stories and like these are stories that I thought were cute and like I thought they were kind of funny and they're like wow he treated you horribly and I'm like that's a hot take (laughs) so it wasn't until that and then I I came home at Christmas and um we're in a group of friends that we like hung out a lot with in high school and he wouldn't stop like touching me even when I like I brushed him off I was like no like wouldn't stop like sitting next to me like making comments about my body like it was just a very uncomfortable situation Oh, nice. Harassing. Yeah, no. And then, so after that, I was just, like, that's where all, like, the adoration that I had for him as a friend completely left. And after that happened, all the stuff that I was trying to cover up in my head to still make him out to be, like, a good guy, a good first boyfriend, because that's what everyone wants, right? No one wants their first relationship, their first experience to be bad or abusive or toxic. Like, no one wants to recount that and think that like there's always that like dream first kiss and like dream first time and like oh it was romantic so I yeah once once all those ideals left uh that's kind of when the trauma came rushing forth um and at the same time um I was also dealing with coming to terms with my own sexuality there's a lot happening like in that time for me around sex and so it really got shut off even more I acknowledged it shut it off had a second semester of university to do you know busy it's fine and it was when the pandemic hit 
Mm. everything just came crumbling down right you have so much time to think to yourself and like journal and like talk to friends and then that was definitely when I reflected and really like was honest with myself for the first time since that all happened and what was that process for you like 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 acknowledging that you yourself had been assaulted? Like what was, like, how was the recounting and like the, cause I know a lot of victims and survivors blame themselves. So what was, what was that like for you? For me personally, there's no like victim blaming myself just because as a kid, that was like my least favorite thing. I'm saying like, oh, like guys are looking at you because you're dressing like that. Like that was like my pet peeve as like a 12 year old. Um, and I would tear into family members on the regular if anyone said something slightly close to that. So yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I realized what happened, and I mean, especially in my case where you got like a kind of half closure with an apology during, it's like, I can't even gaslight myself out of this. Like it is what happened. Like, there was a lot of anger, definitely, that came forth. Um, and then it came to the point of, like, I have uh, very bad anxiety and depression. So some panic attacks got triggered, uh, for sure, especially in those, like, first weeks. And then I decided to uh, tell some friends who know both of us uh, because I felt like I needed to get this off my chest and it would be better like to finally get it off my chest with someone who actually knew the situation while it was happening versus friends in let's say university who only know me, you know, which is definitely like a risk when you're telling someone that's like friendly or friends with both parties. I think I was more stressed about that than I was about coming out. Like, because <laughs> it's so true because I mean, it can go one of two ways, right? And for me, definitely it was a one fourth stuck around and supported and three fourths. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I would say almost all like believed me. None were surprised. And was like, yeah, knowing him makes sense was like the like reply I got from like so many people. (gasps) Yeah. Sorry. That's the correct response. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yuck. That was the response uh, that I got, and I felt very supportive when it first happened. But then, I mean, people post Instagram pictures and they're all partying together and everything like that. And that's like, I get it. Like, like I get that we live in a small town, to be fair. Like, there's not mm. that many people. And also, I like, like there wasn't anything I was gonna do to be like oh you can't hang out like no that's completely like that's bullshit like if you support me well it's also not your responsibility to hold people accountable for them basically perpetuating rape culture 100% and you know what's the most annoying thing about all of it though like you know those like um posts that were going around like a few months ago being like oh if I'm following your assaulter like tell me and I'll unfollow and like I'll cut ties and it's like but would you because it's like 
if you don't know them, yeah, sure, you can 100%. But if they're your close friend, would you? Because in my experience, like, not many did. And it was that idea of someone saying, like, I 100% believe you. And this makes sense if that happened. But I sought to hang out with them for convenience and then still be like that with them. So it was that idea of, like, you're still getting, like, the endorphin release of like, oh, I'm a good person. I supported someone. Like, I believe them. Like, I'm not a victim blamer. Like, I like believe all women. And then you're still hanging out with perpetrators. Like, you don't get to do both. No, and you shouldn't. Yeah. And, and it's the whole problem with like social media activism too. Mm. It's like, if you're going to say this shit online, then you got to fucking walk the walk. And they're obviously not. I'm like, I think especially, like, I mean, you see it in small towns, you see it in cities, you see it in frat houses. Like, the amount that people will cover up for their own, even if they 100% believe what's happening. It's like, wow, so this is why this stuff continues to happen. And this is why, like, like, now I'm sitting here, like, being like, okay, so how many next partners for him should I be, like, I'm concerned for them, you know what I mean? It's like going off of that. Like if no one in your life is holding you accountable, there's that concern. Like as a survivor, like how many more will there be from them? Especially if you have friends who are like, oh, that's awful. But haha, JK, want to go grab a beer? It's like, come on. And that's the issue with with people who are bystanders. It's it's if you have the privilege of not being a survivor, you should be the ones holding folks accountable. And it's not it's not your responsibility. But I'm I'm sure it's something that you think about quite often because you had to live with the trauma. These people don't. Yeah. And it definitely controlled uh, like a lot of my thought process for a very long time. I mean when it first came out that he was seeing a childhood friend of mine. Um, yeah. And this was someone who would call me like mom growing up and like, I was like big sister but Was he older than you, can I ask? But uh, she Thank was you. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fucking yeah. brave. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense going after younger people. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, as soon as that happened, I was in a tailspin for a while because I didn't know what to do. I mean, do you reach out and risk uh, her telling him and then him becoming violent or angry and then like furthering your own trauma? Or do you risk like just getting called the crazy ex? Because I, at the time, I couldn't deal with that. Like I was like the amount that I was like, not available like perceptive to be like gaslit like I very much was not comfortable in my own skin and in my own authority so I yeah I just I just couldn't tell her and that was at the end of the day like I was having panic attack over panic attack my roommates were the best at that time always bringing me hot chocolate (laughs) but yeah I mean and there is that, like, as soon as you see your assaulter with someone else, there is that question that I feel like most survivors' victims have to ask themselves of, do I say something? That's a very, very hard question, and there is no right answer. Like, 
it, there's only a right answer for the person and no one can make that decision for you. Trust me, I tried. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of friends, and what's your opinion? Um, but you're the only one who's lived through that experience. So you really can't, like no one else's opinion matters. It's what will be the best for you healing, moving on. And mine was not say anything. Yeah, I mean, it's pisses me off that it's just like another cross to carry because it's not your responsibility to hold rapists accountable. That's not like something that you should have to take on, but like 100% it makes sense why you would recount like yeah. that. But I think, I think something that is really important and something that we can really reiterate coming from this conversation was how important it is to stand up if you're a bystander um, and like how important it is and how valid you are as somebody who has witnessed this kind of stuff because I think bystanders are honestly way more important in ending rape culture than rapists stop raping. Like, yeah. I really think that people saying things, holding people accountable, unfriending people who are actively involved in any sort of thing, whether they are um, bystanders or not. I, my brother and I were just watching this movie uh, called, um, oh my God, what's it called? Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, I have to get the title now, otherwise I'm gonna fuck it up really bad. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's something young woman, promising young oh, woman. Cool. Anyways, the whole story is about recounting sexual assault. And basically she finds out at the end, there's a video of the assault and there are like multiple witnesses and all of the witnesses basically choose not to say anything or just engage or just like bro up. Obviously it's all men. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like, there's no fucking, but even, but even the, the movie showed that there were women who knew about the video. They weren't in the video, but they hid the video. I don't know if you're following, oh, no, but anyways, yeah, the point of it, <laughs> I think the point of this conversation specifically is less about the assault itself. And I think the ramifications of the aftermath of an assault and how community members can really support survivors. And this is the time. And I'm sorry that that wasn't something that happened for you um, because it's not fair. And it's also just like so stupid. You're like, oh, yeah, I believe you. But then you're like going to hang out with someone, you know, is like gross. Yeah. Which doesn't really make sense in my book, but, um, you no. know, it's not how I live my life. That's for sure. And that is such a great thing. <laughs> that's Oh, thank God. Felicia doing the bare minimum. Oh, let's, let's clap. We applaud. Snaps for claps. <laughs> listen, but sometimes, you know, at this day and age, sometimes it's like, what, like, uh, a friend of mine, she was a bystander to, like, uh, through, like, a disclosure, um, and she handled it very well and, like, supported, uh, the survivor, and I was, like, I was, like, I'm gonna cry, like, thank you, like, on behalf of, like, people like who've been through this like thank you so much and again it was the idea of like oh it's the bare minimum it's like yeah it is you're so right 
but people don't reach that as nearly as much of the time as they should. So it was the idea of like, I know I shouldn't be praising you for this. This is the exact bare minimum, but like, thank you from someone who didn't have that. It, it upsets me that you even have to thank someone for something like that, but I, I bet it, it's, it's still the minority and it's, I think a lot of people aren't willing to hold others accountable. And that's also part of this conversation is making sure that if you're going to say you're a feminist or you're going to say you, you believe survivors, then prove it to me by choosing who you hang out with, like making sure that the people around you are good people and not even just good, but like feminist and kind and survivor centered and none of this fucking bullshit of, oh, I've never said in my, like from somebody that I've known saying like, oh, this makes sense. It's his, like, uh, mm-hmm. or if I say it, I don't know the person, yeah. but I know his reputation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And a lot of it, like, to be fair, was looking back like when I disclosed it was a year after high school. So a lot of people were like, oh, like we were kind of indoctrinated into that like very like toxic masculinity, like small town, like suburb, like, you know, all the fun stuff. Um, so a lot of people looking back were like, yeah, looking back, checks out. Like even a lot of my friends um, said like, I wish I could have seen the signs I told you, but none of us know what the signs were. Like, there, because there was no conversation surrounding consent or toxic or abusive relationships, like, no one knew. Everyone was like, oh, if your smile's on your face, you're doing great. And that was just how it was approached about everything, about mental health, about school, about grades, about uh, relationships, about family. So it's definitely funny to look at, especially, like, looking back at things, and even when people are like, oh, looking back, yeah, but, like, I want a buddy. <laughs> it's like, okay, but can you be buddy with someone who hasn't assaulted someone? That would be lovely. There are so many yeah. people. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think specifically for high school, like, 2020 is high, like is hindsight. I feel like regardless of where you live and what you're doing, when you're in high school, you're in this like alternate universe of whatever the fuck is going on at your school. So, and also like in high school, I think we forget, like you're going through puberty, you're changing, you're like, there's so many life decisions that are being made that are like so outside of your control. Um, So I feel like it's, it's very hard to hold like high schoolers to the same type of like cognition that you can have at like 20, 21, 22. Cause like our shit's <laughs> fucked up there. Like I think we forget. Yeah. Like a seventeen-year-old brain. Like when you when you're seventeen, you feel like you know everything. I thought I knew fucking everything. Oh, yeah. And like I was so dumb. Like so, just like unable to perceive things. Unable to shot like foreshadowing. I couldn't foreshadow anything. Like someone could punch me in the face, and I'd be like, maybe they're nice tomorrow. Yeah, maybe give me a chance. Everyone has off days. <laughs> they, they just had like a bad day you know like their coffee was made wrong so like it's fine if they like hit me today but maybe tomorrow they'll be better yeah. like the shit that we could construe in our minds as high schoolers like 
And I think that's also why it's so important, like we go back to the beginning of this conversation where we're talking about how important it is to show and model and explain to young people what a healthy relationship looks like, because not all of us are modeled that. And if you grow up in a family, specifically maybe like yours, where there's no conversations about it, you can't even ask to be like, is this normal? Like, yeah, you know? Definitely a big part of it. <sighs> yeah, no, and I, I like, I really appreciate you coming with such like, well, also just like so much knowledge surrounding the kind of experience and encounter, but I'm gonna stop saying experience surrounding the assault sorry uh but I like I really appreciate the dimensions that you brought to the conversation because I think that when we're recounting assault I think people understand sexual assault is bad for the most part you know (laughs) but the dimensions that come from like an experience an assault like yours where you talk about not having any sort of knowledge or education and how that understanding developed into and translated into your personality uh is like super impactful in the sense that people don't really understand why sex ed is so important and then you like hear stories like this and you're like of course nobody told her that anything had to be any better nobody told her that she was allowed to be autonomous and allowed to have boundaries and Uh, like allowed to express and validate when her boundaries are crossed. Like if nobody explains that to you, you're only going to learn from experience, which in turn turns into assault. And like, I think these points are super like valid and constructive and like can really be analyzed from like a lot of different lenses. So I really, really appreciate you kind of bringing those different intersections because we've never had a conversation like this before. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, and it's funny too. It's like moving forward and having those boundaries uh, is very funny. There is uh, a recent uh, experience and it was just like, I had a very set boundary of like how far I was willing to go. And when I said no, the guy was gobsmacked. Never heard that word before. Like, and it was just so bewildering to me after having so many like experiences and setting those boundaries like like the way that like he talked to me if I was my 17 year old self I I would have been coerced like guaranteed so it was those things like oh why like like come on like like just look like it's it's fine like why just the tip why why don't you want to like what but like and it's like no if someone says no First of all, they don't need to explain themselves. Second of all, like, it was so funny. Okay, I'm just going to quote this because I think it's hilarious. Because, like, <laughs> it's like, what, you don't want me to finish off in your mouth? I was like, I'm good. Like, you've been watching porn. Like, your sexual education is porn. Please, like, talk to a woman in your life one time. Please. Like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> And it's just stuff like that. It's like the audacity is the best way I can explain it that some men have like going into sex. And it's like you're treating your partner as like an object to get you off and not 
A hole. Yeah, literally. A hole or holes. Or <laughs> or literally just whatever, like your fantasy. And that's not what people are. Like, I get that on Pornhub. You watch this I like idealistic version of sex video. And you can have this like, oh, yeah, like this is perfect. Everything works. Like everyone's like on the go, go, go. And it's like, no, that's not how sex is. Like sex is with two or or by yourself but like sex with a partner is just there needs to be constant consent and once that consent isn't there revoked that stuff stops <laughs> like no you're done and there's no questions of why or uh like can we keep going or like the only questions after is if the person wants to talk about it other than that it's a good old high five nice nice bro well it's also and this is a whole nother podcast that we could get into it's how men have been trained to have this very very terrible relationship with sex Mm -hmm. and like how they are basically conditioned to hate women like socially just conditioned to hate us and I think that very, very easily translates to men who haven't done any sort of internal work or who haven't had like good female relationships in their life. Um, And then it in turn becomes sexual assault, which is why, you know, it it works on both ends. Like this education that we want to bring forward and that we want to work on together, it it helps men and women and everyone in between Mm -hmm. um, essentially have healthier and more just like less toxic relationships with sex and sexuality. I think men express sex in such a violent manner because they got a lot of fucking rage and they have not been taught how to express that or deliver that in any sort of clear or productive capacity. So I I was like going back to like the day old like uh, sayings of, oh, if he like, like pulls your hair he likes you like who like who said that have you never heard that no no like as like a kid like if a guy like hits you or like pulls your hair or whatever like oh 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 oh, oh. i thought in a sexual context i was like like the playground like oh like if a guy whatever (laughs) even though that very spicy take on the conversation um but yeah, no, like, it goes back to, like, even, like, as a very young kid, like, all those ideas of, like, aggression and putting that into, like, feelings and relationships and wanting something with someone. It's, like, you're saying that's okay as an adult to a child. Why aren't we setting back? And it manifests, it manifests into something that's way beyond, like, anything that we thought of because men have not been like able to express themselves in any sort of um, like any valued manner, to be completely honest. Like they're just like shunned from feelings, which is just like super helpful for us women, you know? Uh, But no, I, I think that this was like super productive. And I really think that a lot of people unfortunately can relate and I actually hope a lot of men listen to this episode because I think it brings a lot of dimension to the understanding of like what happens when somebody gets assaulted um and like all of the external scenarios and variables that affect kind of a, a, a 
someone healing from. So like after recounting your experience and coming into your own as a sexual person now, obviously you, you came out as you were healing from your trauma. What was, what helped you move on uh, from your assault? Yeah, uh, really funnily enough, uh, I stumbled upon sex and self <laughs> Instagram page. Um, <laughs> like, not even a word of a lie. Um, but it was honestly within the infographics and a bunch of just like really positive comments um, that I was like, wow, this is a community that like will willingly talk about sex and they're my age. They're not talking down about it. They are just talking about it. And that inspired me to then, you know, buy the first vibrator, uh, like really explore my own body and my own sexuality without shame or judgment that I was like so indoctrinated in growing up. Um, and honestly, that's like my biggest thing is if you were assaulted at a young age and you have like some sort of like resentment or like kind of like a separation between like your body and yourself, please just discover your own sexuality. Like go on your own terms, find what feels good for you. Like I remember trying to go and um be with a partner before I did that after um it was awful <laughs> like to feel safe again for me a huge thing was just realizing that a big part of sex is for you and it's for the other person but also like take pleasure in it it's fun um and like bring that fun back sex doesn't have to be scary from here on out sex is a very good thing and it sucks that someone made it feel like it wasn't at some point but just know yourself and make yourself feel like it is again oh I love that that's and and you know what honestly it does like it's much easier said than done because I know how how traumatizing oh, like even just our childhood relationship with sex can be without even accounting for sexual assault so I no, I really appreciate that. And I'm I'm so happy that you felt like sex and self was the community for you. I, I think having that community is really important. So I'm really happy that you you fit. Yeah, I'm very happy that I found y'all. Y'all found me. Well, I love that. And I think this is a great way to end today's episode because I want people to feel like there is there is happiness and pleasure and gratification beyond um, assault. So I, I really am happy that you found that and you're finding it. And it, sexuality is like a very, um, it's not like a linear journey. It's very fluid. So I'm really happy that you were able to get to a better space and place uh, in real time so and I'm, I'm happy that sex and self was the place for you to at least partially find that so <laughs> well yeah. I really want to I really want to close up and I want people to be able to find you because I do think that a lot of people can relate to um your experience which is very unfortunate but it definitely 
will be eliciting some memories and some thoughts. And I really do hope that the audience really reflects on if they themselves have not been assaulted, where they fit into a narrative um, like yours and who they want to be moving forward. So where can people find you, Katie? Yeah, uh, so you can find me on Instagram. It's underscore Katie Bates underscore. Um, my account is on private, but literally send me a message and I am always down to talk and I'll follow <laughs> you back so quickly. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on the Sex and Self podcast. We're so lucky to have you. Um, make sure to check out Katie's Instagram if you ever want to recount your story or just have another ear to listen to your own experiences. We'll also be tagging Katie on all of our social posts uh, at the sex and self underscore podcast Instagram account. So you can go check out all that info there and make sure to subscribe to the sex and self podcast for more episodes like this released every single Monday. Thanks for listening.